General Michael Flynn faced the latest battle in the deep state's war against him last Friday, and it didn't look good. You may remember that instead of dropping the garbage charges against Michael Flynn, as requested by the prosecutors at the Department of Justice, after the abusive practices of law enforcement and the prosecutors were revealed, the judge in his case, Emmett Sullivan, took the extraordinary step of fighting the dismissal, asking for reinforcements, and suggesting that General Flynn should be charged with additional crimes. Flynn asked the higher court, the appellate court, to step in and to give him the dismissal that he deserves. Three appellate judges heard oral arguments on his motion last Friday. Based on the back and forth questioning of the judges with the parties, it looks like the appellate court will deny Flynn's motion to be left in peace. It really matters who we put in black robes to sit on federal courts. I'm Gail Trotter, host of The Gail Trotter Show. I'm a liberty-loving, tyranny-hating lawyer based in your nation's capital. My goal is to keep you informed and to be your advocate in Washington, D.C. I have three points that I want to share with you today. Point one, this motion should have been a slam dunk. Judge Sullivan should have granted this motion right away when it came before his court at the lower court, the court that was hearing General Flynn's case to begin with. Flynn is right on the facts and he is right on the law. The hearing that played out last Friday involved several major people involved in this case. One, obviously, is General Flynn and his lawyer, Sidney Powell. So they were representing the interests of General Flynn. The second group of people were Beth Wilkinson, who's a very famous DC lawyer. She actually handled the prosecution of Timothy McVeigh for the Oklahoma City bombing a long time ago and got him sentenced to death. She was representing the interests of Judge Emmett Sullivan. And then also we had the Department of Justice represented by Jeremy Wall. Now, the judges in this case were Robert Wilkins, who's an Obama judge, meaning he was appointed to the federal bench by President Obama. We have Karen Henderson, who is a George H.W. Bush judge, meaning she was appointed by George H.W. Bush when he was president. And we have Naomi Rao, who was nominated by President Trump. So she is a more recent addition to the federal bench. Uh, so with Sidney Powell opening the discussion at the hearing, she hit the most important facts right away in this discussion. The most important fact is that now there is no case or controversy. The Department of Justice didn't have to give a reason for wanting to drop the charges against General Flynn, but they did in excruciating detail they put forward the prosecutorial abuses, they put forward the lack of a crime and the lack of materiality and the lack of a predicate to investigate General Flynn in the first place. And Sidney Powell made the excellent point that under Article 2, Section 3 of our Constitution, only the government can prosecute. The judicial branch cannot prosecute anyone. You need the executive branch to fulfill its role to prosecute 
or not prosecute people. The, the judge can't step into the shoes of the prosecutor. So Sidney Powell makes the point on behalf of General Flynn that the court in this case is without any jurisdiction to go do anything further. The court, on top of that, cannot make the government prosecute the case against General Flynn or against anyone else for that matter. So Sidney Powell recounted the extensive prosecutorial misconduct against General Flynn, including the fact that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, altered the 302s, which are the reports of the interview. Priestap, Bill Priestap, talked to Andy McCabe about trapping Flynn to lie. And we have written evidence of that. Also, we know for a fact that the FBI, when they interviewed him, they did not give General Flynn the evidence to talk him through it. They did not give him a Section 1001 warning, meaning you can't make false statements to the FBI, which is normal procedure in these cases. They violated so many policies and procedures of the Department of Justice and of the FBI and of the interactions with the executive branch. For example, Comey, you remember, bragged on television with Nicole Wallace about how he took advantage of the transition, the chaos and the transition between the Obama administration and the Trump administration to just send two agents over there to interview General Flynn at the White House. And General Flynn, and the agents say this, and McCabe say this, General Flynn thought that the agents were on the same side as General Flynn, that they were cooperating together, that they were working together, that they were the good guys. And obviously, that was not the case. Sidney Powell is one smart lawyer, and she was able in her time to show how this is an appalling travesty. It's an injustice not only to General Flynn, but to the entire system of justice, to the rule of law, and to the protections for citizens that their government does not make them uh, subject to political persecution. She said that this is a case concocted by the FBI with help from the Department of Justice. So that's the factual basis. Then we go to the legal basis, and she makes the excellent legal point that the government's position in this case, or I'm sorry, the judge's position in this case, contradicts the leading precedent in these cases, Foker, Rinaldi, Inray, United States, Smith, and Ham. And she points out rightly that the judge cannot appoint an amicus, John Gleason, that we talked about in prior episodes. She, the, the judge cannot appoint an amicus to do the job that the court wants the government to do, but that the government no longer believes is the correct action to take. So Sidney Powell points out very correctly that the judge is out of his lane in this motion and what he's trying to do going forward. And she also points out that it's not up to the judge to add additional charges, to gin up additional charges against a defendant that the Department of Justice and the prosecutors no longer think is just to prosecute. So I'll go to point two. There is irreparable harm being done to General Flynn in this case. Sidney Powell said, if, if uh, you deny this motion, then we're going to have to proceed to this hearing on July 16th. And she pointed out that there is a 72-page brief filed 
in this case that was filed, I think, on Thursday of last week that Sidney Powell has to respond to by Wednesday. And that 72-page brief has 500 pages of exhibits. And she, this is such a key point when we're talking about the power of the federal government versus the power of the individual, which is vanishingly small. Think of all the vast resources, the people, the, the money, the resources, the um, everything that goes into the ability of the government to prosecute people. Individuals don't have anything close to that amount of resource or power to defend themselves. And Sidney Powell makes this point, made this point on Friday, that all parties in this case are paid by the government except for General Flynn and his legal representation. It takes an enormous toll on the defendant. And she makes the point that if you're dragging this out for months, which is what is happening here, there's irreparable harm suffered by General Flynn. And when you consider that the amicus in this case, John Gleason, wants to take General Flynn to sentencing and throw the book at him, give him the maximum sentence possible, then think of not only the financial toll that that takes on a defendant, but also the psychological toll that that would take on anybody facing that kind of assault, not only by the judge, but also by this amicus that he is appointed to do the job that he wishes the government would do. And it was very disturbing that one of the judges said, if he denies the motion, meaning Judge Sullivan, you can come back to us on appeal. So instead of taking care of this issue now and letting General Flynn have peace and the rest that he deserves and the uh, taking away the threat of uh, sentencing or jail time, they're saying, well, what's it to us? Let's just let the judge do his thing. And if you don't like it, you can come back on appeal later. That is outrageous. So then I want to share with you my third point. It is not looking good for General Flynn. Judge Henderson, as I mentioned, is an appointee or a nominee of President George H.W. Bush. She said, there is a hearing in mid-July. For all we know, Judge Sullivan will grant the motion. And then this is where uh, the Department of Justice lawyer pops in, and he was able to give his response. So his, his interests are not aligned with General Flynn. He wants to protect the Department of Justice. He wants to protect the executive branch. So Sidney Powell is the only one of all these people who's looking out for General Flynn. But, but Wall had some very good points that he made in response to Judge Henderson. He makes the point that this case Foker controls the case and that the amicus is improper, John Gleason being appointed to do the job that the government says is no longer just to do. And he said there's no reason not to take the final step and grant this motion. Wall points out that this has become a public spectacle and that it's harming the integrity of the executive and the integrity of prosecutorial discretion and the integrity of the judiciary. Judge Rao, who is a Trump nominee, pointed out or asked the question, what precisely is the harm here? And Wall was able to go into depth talking about how 
the amicus is pushing for a factual inquiry into the inner workings of the Department of Justice that should not be allowed because it's an intrusive fact inquiry about things like, well, why didn't the prosecutor sign? And what did the attorney general do? And trying to make the Department of Justice justify something that is within the purview and the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice, the most basic power of the executive of the Department of Justice to charge someone or to not charge someone. So I think Wall makes another excellent point that this is harming the executive branch and it's playing out in a politicized environment. Who can deny that? This is a highly charged political environment. And Wilkins, Judge Wilkins, who was appointed by, who was nominated by President Obama, he talks about how there's this clash between the two branches of government. And what are we going to do about that? And Wall responded, well, Rule 48A works in this case, in General Flynn's case, because Rule 48A, which gave the court some leeway in looking at when a prosecutor wants to dismiss a case against a defendant, Rule 48A works in this case because the court can easily see that the prosecutor is not playing games with General Flynn. Why? Because the prosecutor moved to dismiss the charge without with prejudice, meaning the Department of Justice cannot come back later and charge General Flynn with this again, which is why Rule 48A was put into place to try and protect defendants from gamesmanship by the vast resources of the federal government. So Wall rightly points out, well, this concern of 48A is taken care of in this case. We don't need to worry about that. Then what really stunned a lot of people Judge Wilkins, the Obama appoint nominee, he raises a racial hypothetical and he brings race into this case. This case has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with the rule of law, with the policies and procedures of the Department of Justice, with prosecutorial abuse and misdeeds. It has nothing to do with the question that Judge Wilkins raised, which almost seemed like it was done to further politicize and uh, make a public spectacle out of Judge uh, General Flynn's criminal case. So Wall responds, that given that racial hypothetical that Judge Wilkins raises, that Armstrong claims would address that. So he's saying that Wall is saying it's not for the courts to police whether the executive has pure motives. The executive is accountable by the electorate and by impeachment and by other ways, venues. But Rule 48A is not for policing the harms that Judge Wilkins raises, which have nothing to do with this case and just seem uh, inflammatory to raise it in this case. So Wall makes the very important point that Sidney Powell also made, that the court cannot force the government to bring a case. Wilkins then asks another race-based question. And then we move into a discussion with Judge Henderson. And Henderson says, Judge Sullivan may have chosen an intemperate amicus, but why don't we reserve why don't we observe regular order? Which just, you know, is facepalm in my reaction to her saying that. An intemperate amicus. Remember, John Gleason is the guy who, with a couple other people, wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post before Judge Sullivan appointed him. 
talking about how this case should not be dismissed against General Flynn, how the, the, dis, the motion to dismiss the case reeked of political, bad political influence. He had an opinion, he had an agenda, he's a partisan, and for Judge Henderson to characterize him as an intemperate amicus is a very soft way of characterizing the bias that John Gleason has in this case. Wall talks to Henderson and says, it's an extraordinary case. Judge Henderson agrees. I agree it's an extraordinary case. And Wall makes the point on behalf of the Department of Justice that probing executive motives, that they're asking for affidavits, that they want uh, a fact-based inquiry into what happened at the Department of Justice to motivate them to move the judge to dismiss the charges, that is all beyond nor the normal course of things. And it's not justified. It's ridiculous. It is absurd to ask for that. Uh, so he talks about the harms to the government and essentially looking at the executive branch that if the executive branch, branch has to answer this publicly in the politi politicized environment that they're in, it's going to invade the deliberative process. It's going to chill the proper operations of the Department of Justice. And it, of course, sets up this conflict between the executive and the judiciary. Judge Henderson replies to Wall, how, who's outlined all these harms that allowing this case to continue will do. And Judge Henderson says, Judge Sullivan is an old hand. He's an excellent trial judge. Sullivan could ignore the advice of the amicus and grant the motion. Shouldn't he be allowed to do that? And Wall responds, we are well past regular order. Why have unnecessary proceedings? And then Wilkins, Judge Wilkins, goes into, well, this question of, well, why didn't the Department of Justice file a, a motion for a writ of mandamus? And Wall responds, well, because the, the defendant did, and if you need one from us, we'll ask for leave to file a motion for a writ of mandamus, but we just joined in with them because it was on an expedited basis. Oh, it is just amazing to have listened to all of that. I am a hopeful person. I'm an optimistic person. So I thought going into this hearing on Friday that given the manifest injustices and prosecutorial misdeeds and the bogus predicate for the investigation in the first place and the fact that the Logan Act is not even probably constitutional, let alone has anyone ever been convicted of it, I thought all of this, this mammoth evidence supporting General Flynn's motion to dismiss and the voluminous motion that the Department of Justice gave to the court with exhibit after exhibit after exhibit in black and white showing the wrongs committed by the prosecutors, by law enforcement, by the top people at the FBI. I thought for sure that we would see a different type of hearing on Friday, but we didn't. And it is an outrage. You want to know why we don't have more good people serving in government? This is why. You can be targeted for a hit job by an out-of-control FBI and made to lose your job, lose your house, lose your reputation, and lose a lot in legal fees. You can have your family be threatened with prosecutions. You can be dragged out of your house in the wee hours by burly men with big guns while CNN broadcasts your humiliation around the world, as was done to Roger Stone. 
The appellate court in this case should grant Flynn's motion post-haste immediately and let him get back to the free life that he is entitled to live. But the appellate court indicated that they will let this appalling travesty continue and we will be there to keep you informed about any new developments in General Flynn's case. Judges are the last resort to protect our constitutional rights. If this travesty can happen to General Flynn, it can happen to you, it can happen to me. The president appoints our federal judges. We do not want our judges to be political activists in robes appointed for a lifetime tenure. I ask you today to pray for General Flynn and his family if you are a person of faith. We think political prosecutions and persecution only happen in other countries, but we are seeing it at play here. Let all your friends know about this case and why it is a travesty. Injustice for anyone affects all of us. Thank you for joining me today. Subscribe below, hit the bell so you don't miss a single daily episode, and comment down below about your feelings on this case and what you think that the appellate court is going to do with the motion to dismiss the charge against General Flynn. Thanks for listening to The Gail Trotter Show, right in D.C. Be sure to sign up for her mailing list on her website, gailtrotter.com. And also follow her on Twitter, at Gail Trotter, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe now, it's easy. Thanks for listening. Share the truth. Share The Gail Trotter Show.